week in the Harrison household, my son Wesley, who's right down here, proposed to his girlfriend, Veronica. Yeah. Why are we clapping? She said no. No, no, that's not true. Well, uh, Wes had a secret mission. We were all a part of it in terms of surprising Brenna. So the ruse was that she was coming uh, to meet with Wes and Lori and I and her parents. And they were told to stop by the church and pick me up. So he came in that door. I'm following all those directions now. And I was in the auditorium. And he said, Dad, where are you? I'm in the auditorium. I had to practice that several times. I'm in the auditorium. And they came in that back door, and I kind of guided them down front. And I said, Wes, we need to talk about a few things. And they walked out that back area there, and all of a sudden, uh, this video popped up. And it was a, just a beautiful video, 15 minutes long, of Wes's uh, just remembering uh, their courtship days and all the fun things they did and all the pictures to go with it. And <laughs> I was watching from over there uh, see what... Brenna's reaction was, and it was a good reaction. <laughs> then we got down here and uh, celebrated with them after Wesley asked a question. And then we went outside, and little did Brenna know, but there was a helicopter sitting there. Uh, yeah, Larry and Kathy Brackett are good friends of ours, and uh, he was so kind and given Wes and Brenna a helicopter ride over to Schaumburg to pilot Pete's Pilot, or Pilot Pete's, where they had lunch. And then going around the downtown Chicago area. Uh, so it was pretty splendid. Yeah, great job, Wes. And, uh, yeah. But we're just celebrating that. I want to thank you on Facebook. You've encouraged us in that. And uh, it's a big uh, change for our family. Moving ahead. Well, let's look at our memory verse for this month. 1 Peter 3.15, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. So this verse is commanding all of us who are Christ followers that when people come up and ask us about why we're different or what our church believes, that we need to be prepared to share the gospel with them. And also, we need to defend our faith. It's called apologetics, defending something, uh, the reasons you believe in something. So we're going to go through an apologetic series here. And for those of us who are believers, it's very important for us to take notes and really uh, kind of Study this throughout the week, because these questions you're going to get at some point, and you want to be able to know how to answer them, because we have really good answers, even though they seem very complex. Now, if you're an unbeliever here, you haven't made that decision to follow Christ, well, this is a great series for you, too, because we're going to be answering the questions you're asking, and so hopefully that will lead you closer to Jesus Christ. The case for faith, how do you know there is a God? That's today. Why does God allow suffering? Next week. How do we know Jesus in the only way? Uh, the 22nd and after Thanksgiving, how can you trust 
the Bible. I think we're going to have a great time seeing uh, the reason why we believe. Now, someone might ask, well, can you prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a God? Of course I can't. You have to have some faith, but there is evidence you can look at and indicators. When a person who's an atheist, they also have to have faith. In fact, they have to have more faith than we do in regards to kind of putting the world's story together. The key question is, does believing in God, faith, and trust make more sense than basing your life on the alternative that there is no God out there? So let's look at some of the alternatives, uh, or the indicators, that is. Indicators of God's existence. The universe exists. Right there. The universe exists. You look at this picture. Uh, This was picture was taken by the Hubble telescope, and it uh, was taking pictures of the remote areas of our universe and some of the galaxies there. Uh, just an unbelievable picture. Uh, the universe is 28 million miles in diameter. Okay? Wow. Just think about that for a second. 28 million miles in diameter. We see some more galaxies here that, of course, God has created. So the question is, how did the universe get started? Why is there something rather than nothing? In fact, in the last century, scientists have come to the conclusion that there was a beginning to the universe. Now, before, they didn't believe that. Hey, the universe has been around forever. But in the last hundred years, they made that decision, which meant that they had, a, had to come up with some reason why it was here. They already put them at a deficit. Uh, so one of the common theories you hear is the Big Bang Theory. I was researching that on the Internet, and all I found was a sitcom. So <laughs> I went to Wikipedia <laughs> to look at what the Big Bang Theory uh, was all about. And uh, there's many different versions of this, but the whole idea is that there was just a, a, an atom, even smaller than an atom, all right? Imagine how small that is. And it uh, had all of the universe's density and uh, clustered inside it. And then one day, it exploded! And the universe came and now has developed to what it is today. It takes some faith, doesn't it? (laughs) That's all they could come up with, all right? Yeah. The point is that everything has a beginning. There's a cause to everything happening. So the question is, what caused the universe to be created or to explode? What was it? Because that person was outside of the universe. He's the one who caused it. And again, when you think, okay, there was no space, there was no matter, there was no energy or anything, and it all came to being in a moment, I just, I just can't buy that. Romans 1.20 says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, 
have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they were without excuse. What he's saying is even people who haven't heard the gospel know that there has to be a God just by looking around. Just look at the mountains and the trees and the vegetation and looking at their own bodies. I mean, hey, do we come here by accident? Do we just show up? No. God was the creator. So they are without excuse. They know that there's a God just by looking at creation. Now I'm going to show you some pictures and I'm going to read off some data here in terms of the amazing way that God has put things together. And when you see these pictures and hear this data, you have to wonder, could have this just happened by accident? So we look at our earth, our earth, the precise orbit of the earth, its distance from the sun, the existence of a moon that keeps the earth tilted on its axis at 23.5 degrees makes a climate that you can sustain life. In fact, physicists say that we live in the Goldilocks zone. Not too hot, not too cold, but just right. The Earth's size is perfect, and corresponding gravity holds a thin layer of mostly nitrogen and oxygen gases, only extending about 50 miles above the Earth's surface. If the Earth were smaller, an atmosphere would be impossible, like the planet Mercury. If the Earth were larger, its atmosphere would contain free hydrogen, like Jupiter. Earth is the only known planet equipped with an atmosphere of the right mixture of gases to sustain plant, animal, and human life. Now let's look at the moon. And our moon is the perfect size and distance from the earth for its gravitational pull. The moon creates important ocean tides and movement so ocean waters do not stagnate. And yet our massive oceans are restrained from spilling over across the continents because of the gravitational pull of the moon. Now let's look at our brain. Our brains are amazing. They take everything in colors and objects, your temperature around your feet, pressure of the feet on the floor, sounds, dryness of mouth, all your emotions, thoughts, and memories. It keeps track of your body, uh, your body, eyelid movement and muscle movement. The human brain processes more than a million messages a second. There is an intelligence to it, the ability to reason, to produce feelings, to dream and plan. And relate to people. Your brain weighs the importance of all this data filtering out the relatively unimportant. This screening function is what allows you to focus and operate effectively in your world. 
Amazing. Talk about the eye. The eye can distinguish among seven million colors. It has automatic focusing and handles an astounding 1.5 million messages simultaneously. Our body, of course, two-thirds water. Why is that? Well, when you look at water, there's a wide margin between its boiling point and freezing points. Water allows us to live in an environment of fluctuating temperature changes while keeping our bodies a steady 98.6 degrees. Wow. And that happened through evolution? I don't think so. I mean, again, the atheist or the person who believes in evolution has to have more faith that all that just kind of came together, all those fantastic things about the mind and our eye, instead of us believing, or them believing, that there is a Creator who put it all together. In fact, an atheist astrophysicist Robert Jastrow said this, The seed of everything that has happened in the universe was planted in that first instant. Every star, every planet, and every living creature in the universe came into being as a result of events that were set in motion in the moment of cosmic explosion. The universe flashed into being, and we cannot find out what caused that to happen. Duh. We don't don't have an answer to that. You don't have an answer because God created it. But because you don't believe in God, you just have to kind of throw it out there. Obviously, God created it. Obviously, He was a part of it. He caused the universe to begin. Isaiah 48, 13. My hand, that's God saying, My hand laid the foundations of the earth, and my right hand spread out the heavens. When I call to them, they stand forth together. That's the truth. That's how our universe came into being. And it continues on through the power of God. God's power sustains everything. Our bodies, our breath, and everything that happens in nature. So, there just had to be a designer. The third thing is we have a hunger for meaning. There's this innate internal sense that life has to have meaning, that uh, I need to count for something, that I'm important. You think about when a baby is born. Everybody celebrates and you know baby dedications and christenings and things of that nature. But imagine if you're an atheist and a baby is born and the dad is holding his little girl, I said, little girl, you're a little blob of carbon, a random collection of molecules on an insignificant speck of a planet revolving around a minor league star that will soon burn itself out and destroy all known life forms. Now, long before that, you personally will have rotted and decayed, and your momentary existence will be internally unremembered and without meaning or significance. Have a good life. <laughs> you know, it's funny, but that's all 
an atheist can say. There's no meaning behind things. He's going to fly in here, fly out. That's why it's so critical. Like with our women's Christmas gathering uh, this Friday. I would really encourage you to come out. If you're not coming out, and invite a friend that doesn't know Jesus. Because if they're an atheist, they are believing this stuff. They really have no source of meaning in life. Uh, they're chasing after things, trying to meet that hunger for God, and, and nothing satisfies. And you, ladies, have the opportunity to simply invite a neighbor or a friend and again plant those gospel seeds in their lives. Our work is the most important work that goes here, that goes on here on this earth because it's God's work. A Yale professor by the name of Nicholas Walter Stoff wrote a book called Why Human Beings Have Dignity, Worth, and Rights. And he says, if children are beaten, if women are marginalized, we all have the sense that that's wrong. And he say, says, why is that? And why is it? Why is it that typically everybody in the world thinks that murder is wrong, right? There are just core moral codes that everybody carries with them on their conscience, written on their heart. God has placed eternity in the hearts of people. And you just can't get away from that. But if you're a secularist, not believing in God, what are you going to say? Okay, we got this person who just, you know, kind of evolved and was born, but really the person has no significance whatsoever. But because of the moral code that God has put upon our heart, that person knows they are significant. So they have to come up some way to, to bring value uh, to this blob, okay? But the problem is, with their thinking about the blob, I'm a blob, you're a blob, okay, uh, is that what makes that blob meaningful? When is it truly worth something? So let's talk about uh, conception and pregnancy. All right, now we know that as soon as the egg is fertilized by the sperm, you have human life. That is when... A human life starts. That's when it is significant because God created that human life for a very distinct purpose. But if you throw God out, what do you have? Well, you have a little blob. And Okay, now when is this blob going to be worth something? When his heart starts to beat or when his hands and uh, uh, feet are formed or when his heart begins to beat, where can you draw the line? You cannot draw a line anywhere or before the baby comes out. Come on! What is our world teaching us? That there is no God. We really have no significance. So if we're going to be blobs, there's got to be some point. So I guess for a lot of people, when the baby you know, is born, that, that gives it significance because nobody really can tell you where the line is because there's no line. It starts at conception, but because there is no God in their minds, they're 
there is no life until they determine that it's life. And then you have the problem on the other end with euthanasia. It'd be interesting to see where our country goes with this. When do you stop having the quality of life that they want from you? Right? I mean, when your legs don't work anymore? When you're paralyzed? Because they'll determine the quality of life at some point, and they say, you still have worthiness. Dementia? A person who no longer has their sense of reasoning? Is that a person who should continue to live on this earth? Well, sometimes, I believe, future governments are going to decide that. Remember Hitler? He thought all Jews were not worth anything. They were garbage. And so he killed them. That's where that type of reasoning goes. But when you believe there's a God, every time a baby is conceived, that is a gift from God. And there's meaning to that person's life. And there's a future for that person. You get on this slippery slope, friends, and a lot of things can uh, go awry. Well, so the universe exists. There has to be a design. We have a hunger for meaning. And next, we believe there is a moral standard. We talked a little bit about this. Romans 2.15. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, talked about, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or excuse them. So they have this conscience they don't know what to do with because it's telling them that something is wrong, but they don't believe that you know, certain things aren't wrong, and, and eventually their conscience becomes seared and uh, they don't care anymore. Whenever you get into an argument uh, with something, someone, and they say it's not fair. Why is it not fair? We're just a bunch of blobs. Everything is fair. Or if you talk to a person who is a, you know, believes in relativism, and uh, you say, "Oh, I, I can believe what I want to believe. I, I, I have that right." And uh, you might believe one thing, but I'll believe another. And you might say, "Well, I believe." Uh, I believe that um, raping women, I believe that stealing of all kinds is okay. Oh, wait, whoa, what are you talking about? You know that stuff is wrong. Well, how can I know that stuff is wrong? You haven't given me any standard. Well, it's a world standard. I know it keeps changing, though. Isn't that strange? Right? Because they can't draw any standards anywhere because they do not have a foundation. Of who God is and His justice. That's what's guided our country for so many years. And we continue to walk away from it. And we suffer because of it. The foundation of God's truth and justice is at the root of our judicial system. And again, we just keep using it. It seems to work, but people forget where they got the idea. Transcendent moral realities, not personal preferences. God has written the law upon our hearts. The last reason is that Jesus shines 
threw into the world. This is the most powerful reason above all the others. The person of Jesus Christ. That God became a man and walked this earth, lived a perfect life in order to die for us in order that our sins might be forgiven. And again, you don't have to be a Christ follower long until you hear a story, or maybe it was your story, when Jesus just kind of showed up. He showed up. Remember Saul, whose career was killing Christians? Well, Jesus showed up on the Damascus Road, and what happened? Paul became a Christ follower. <laughs> His job description just kind of flipped. Now it was to help and encourage and guide Christians through the Holy Spirit and what he wrote. I think it was Zacchaeus, right? He was a tax collector. He was scum. As they always asked too much. The Roman government allowed them to do that. So everybody hated tax collectors. And so who did Jesus say, hey, want to do lunch? <laughs> what are you talking about? He's a tax collector. He is a thief. I know he's a thief. I'm trying to resolve that here. Uh, so he, he goes to his house, and Jesus shows up, and he says, okay, I'm going to give half away of what I own. You, you imagine him going from a greedy tax collector. He cares a less about Nothing about people. And then he goes to the point of saying, hey, I'm getting half away. To make up what I've stolen and more. Is that your story? Do you have a story like that? You're going on the wrong track and falling to a lot of uh, sinful places and, you know, just was rebellious. And then Jesus showed up. And you became a different person because he transformed your life. There's nothing more powerful in sharing with unbelievers than your personal story of how Jesus came into your life and he changed you. He gave you a new perspective. He walks with you. You just tell somebody that. And that will be the most powerful thing they'll hear. Because they can't argue with what you say about your own personal experience. We look at Second Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus is God revealed in this world. But the big question is, are you going to seek after God? And if you find God, are you going to want Him? A lot of people say, no, I don't, I don't want God. I can take care of myself. They still think. Jeremiah twenty nine thirteen, God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And some of you right now, God is seeking you and you're seeking Him. All of a sudden you have this interest and 
spiritual things in church when that didn't cross your radar before. And all of a sudden, it seems to just be a real issue for you that you have to resolve. Oh, you're in a great spot. Just don't say no. Don't say no to Jesus. Again, we'll continue to walk through these different indicators uh, of our faith. And I hope you come back every week. And if you'd love to talk, if you want to talk with me or someone else about this, uh, please do that. Because that's one of the reasons we exist as a church, to introduce you to the God of the universe and His Son. But let's pray together. Oh, dear Lord. It's so powerful to go over these details about the world because I I just can't under to some degree I can, but because they don't want to believe in a God, so they have to put up with what they have. But God is you, you are the reason. You do exist. And you showed yourself in this ministry uh, so many times with hundreds of people coming to the Lord these last nineteen years. And we continue that you would continue to draw people toward yourself. In Christ's name, amen.